Hello, welcome to ATM, Artists Talk Movies, a podcast interviewing creatives about films that have inspired and or influenced their personal studio work. I'm Hyde Fontenot, and I'm here with co-host Aaron Stafford. We're here to talk about contemporary art and the creative impulse with new guests each episode. We're having casual conversations. We don't pretend to be authorities. We're hoping to give you a window into the visionary process of makers. Dr. Finney, is time travel possible? That is a question. I was there. Is it you? Hi, Aaron. Hi, Hyde. How I'm are you? Good. I'm good. Um, yeah, so uh, we're starting up uh, with our second episode here, uh, and you've chosen the film this week. I have indeed yeah. uh, ch- chosen a seminal uh, film called Somewhere in Time. What and does seminal mean? So you <laughs> seminal? I think it means like important. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> public uh, uh, Louisiana High School uh, or Louisiana Public education system (laughs) fails me once more uh i'll have to double check that one but i I don't know if anybody's called somewhere in time seminal but they have now and you're on a podcast so that pretty much solidifies it (laughs) it's canon canon. uh so i'm i am so eager so somewhere in time what was what's the it was 1982 is that right 1980 is when it was released yes with Um, christopher reeve and christopher reeve jane seymour and christopher Plummer. right um yeah he plays the uh her theatrical manager you're not sure if they have a romantic relationship it seems like when they're sort of introduced they're kind of bickering about he noticed some other woman but then it's not yeah, their relationship is not clear. So, Hyde, I think you're mixing. And oh. Like I had said before, I think sometimes in period pieces, a lot of people look uh-huh. the same. Um, and so that fellow that you're talking about is different. Oh. The one who had like a, oh, Maud sort of uh-huh. moment. That's not the manager, but uh. they do look really okay. similar. Okay, okay. So, so <laughs> again, you're watching, you're watching this movie with your grandparent and you're having to explain, <laughs> now who is that fellow? I, <laughs> what did they say? Oh, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I don't know if you know this, but um, this was the movie that Christopher Reeve made right after his uh, first Superman Ah, movie. okay. And it was sort of sandwiched in between Superman 1 and Superman 2. And I believe his manager strongly objected to him doing this uh-huh. movie, which I could see why uh-huh. uh, that would be a problem uh, because it's, it's just so not action packed. It's like a different no. Yeah, if pe- it's a totally different right. audience. If people love Superman and they love Christopher Reeves and they're like, "Let's go see this movie," and they're like, "What did I just see?" Yeah, it, it's confusing yeah. for uh, for most people. I'm sure during that uh, specific you know time period, yeah. but. Um, 
Yeah, so it so you've never seen this movie. I, or I've heard of it. it. I've heard you talk about it because I know yeah. that you've made artwork around this movie. And so you've sort of explained some concepts to me about the film, but I don't know, you know, um, no, I hadn't seen it before. Okay, so I uh, saw this a long time ago when I was in high school. I've been wanting to ask you what your first exposure yeah. to the film was. Yes, and actually my first my first exposure really came with the music. Oh. Um, so my parents um, would listen to the soundtrack. Uh -huh. Maybe I rem I can remember it, you know, maybe back when I was uh, preteen uh -huh. or something. And I thought, oh, my God, like I sort of loved the music. Uh -huh. And it's a classical and score, right? Very classical. In fact, I believe it's based off of uh, Rachmaninoff's, okay. one of his mm -hmm. um, compositions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and then I, I watched the movie uh, when I was in high school or teenager. Mm -hmm. And I was just thrilled. I thought it was so romantic. <laughs> And I remember showing my my friends like, hey, you guys got to watch this movie, and they fell asleep. They thought it was so boring. <laughs> I thought, oh. but it's so epic. And now, you know, as um, a fully formed adult um, who has studied, um, you know, tropes mm -hmm. and overused plots in movies, uh -huh. I see so many of the sort of pitfalls. Um, they're sort of you're looking at, at it more me. critically, yeah. Which is kind of what we talked about uh, last time about being able to lose yourself in a film versus like deconstructing it and studying it critically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always sort of in any any movie that I watch now. I'm always wondering if it passes the Bechdel test. Uh huh. Um, what is the Bechdel test? Is that what you said? So that yeah, so that is it's so it's so depressing, right? <laughs> but it's it's basically a test. Uh, that requires a film to have two female characters mm. who have names, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they have to have a... <laughs> so high maintenance. <laughs> I know. They have to have two lines of dialogue uh, between the two of them about something other than a man. <laughs> and this is so rare, mm -hmm. it's it makes you sick to your stomach, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure somewhere in time does not pass the Bechdel test. Well, actually, you know, this this is a question I wanted to ask you about somewhere in time. You were mm -hmm. when we were talking about what we might watch and you you pretty much went to this right away. And I felt like your tone was sort of apologetic for it. Like, oh, I'm going to make Hyde watch this <laughs> film that's like my guilty pleasure. <laughs> but like, is, is it really worth watching? Uh, and I, uh -huh. I was like, Oh, this is like the um, the stigma of the chick flick. This is this oh, is, uh, and yes. I'm sorry I'm even using that term, uh, but um, you know everybody knows what we're talking about is like a film that's like female driven or a film that like speaks to uh, issues that are uh, I don't know more sensitive, more emotional, and how mm -hmm. that in in this sort of toxic masculine culture of twenty. Uh, 21st century America, we aren't, um, you know, we we can sort of dismiss films in this in this one term, chick flick. Oh, I'm not interested, mm -hmm. you know, because it's <laughs> they didn't blow anything up. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Well, in this one, I don't know if you know this, is marketed as uh, a romantic sci-fi. Uh-huh. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know. I think it's the only one. Maybe I can think of Gattaca. Maybe you could sort of market uh-huh. that movie. But they're they're kind of rare. But you know, for a science Barbarella, fiction movie, <laughs> it doesn't. Ha- yeah, Barbara, it doesn't have a lot of gadgets or. It's true. You know, it's true. STEM. It, it's all in the mind, uh-huh. so it doesn't. Um, it doesn't feel like a science fiction yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it it's a it's an embarrassing. <laughs> movie. I mean, I remember talking of, about the show that I did, uh, the exhibition I did that was loosely based off of this movie. And I was, it was just so cringy. I thought, oh my God, it is so not highbrow or it's not, it's not old enough to be cool yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, and nobody knows about it. So it's not like this popular culture, although there's sort of this cult following behind this movie. And And it speaks to you clearly. I mean, it's kind of, it, it it's captured your imagination that you've even made art in reference to to concepts in the film yeah and really it's it kind of saved my life i mean i it sounds dramatic but i was going through this awful breakup uh-huh. and i needed some ways to express uh-huh. that but I needed to do it in a way that was sort of removed from my own personal experiences because sometimes breakups can feel really kind of cliche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if they feel too personal. <laughs> and so I thought this film seemed kind of perfect and I had been working on some ideas related to the film uh, for a couple, for years at that point. And I thought, I think I need to do that show, uh-huh. um, you know, to to finally get it yeah. out there but god it was it was mortifying i mean i i is it because when you hmm. spoke to um people to explain the work that you had to reference the film and people had a relationship to the film already and or didn't I, I th- it was it was probably just all in my head but yeah. i think i i know how um yeah, it probably was some sort of projection where I was projecting my insecurities onto people <laughs> about sure. it. But I still, I mean, it, and this this was funny too because I I watched it again and uh, Ben, uh, my boyfriend, had seen it already with me, mm-hmm. and and I was like, oh God, you're gonna have to watch this movie again. He was like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that movie. Uh-huh. I was like, wait a minute, you did? <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And in fact. The most romantic thing he's ever done um, is he's, for me anyways, um, he bought me the book that it was oh, based cool. off of. And it's actually kind of hard to find. Again, uh-huh. people are weird about this movie. There is a cult following. And you know how, like, during that t- period in time, I feel like latter half of the 21st, 20th century, is that um, books, there were, there were fil- film adaptations of books, but there were also books that were written after the film was produced um, by publishing houses that like understood that there was a following for a film and then they wrote, wrote a, a, a book. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that this would be the former, that this would be a, a, a book that existed before and was adapted. Y- yes. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that the movie is actually people always say, "Oh, the book is better than the movie," but the <laughs> the film is far superior in my oh, opinion. That... But there are all these 
there are all these things that like it's kind of a downer like richard christopher reeves's character um he has a brain tumor oh um and so the whole hallucinating part uh. it's like they're like did he really go back or was it just the tumor yeah. and it kind of ruins that and then it didn't have the um the music part uh-huh. of it which is part of of why I enjoy this movie so much but I will say and this is if you you know this this film has a lot of these like ooh, it's a coincidence or is that you know um serendipity Mm -hmm. um but this was weird in the book I was you know while I was reading it I noticed that the author describes the manager um Elisa's manager Mm -hmm. as looking a lot like Rachmaninoff and I was like holy shit that's based on the the music uh-huh. that the movie hasn't come out yet did that, so they, did that t- make they're sense? time traveling in a way in <laughs> in, the in between bu- the, well, book the book and the movie the book made reference to the movie uh-huh. which hadn't come out for I mean it wasn't <laughs> even a th- and I was like whoa uh-huh. whoa that's really weird um, so I really, that was probably my favorite part of the book where it referenced rock modern off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the book, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I would, you know, definitely yeah. recommend it, <laughs> but it was still a sweet gesture. Well, that's e- that's easier too. I kept wondering, like there were a couple of moments of, uh, what is referred to as exposition. So, uh, in, you know, like a shorthand, uh, way or a device for getting information across it's like you're not you're not showing it you're you're having a character explain some concept like when christopher reeves hunts down the uh kind of historian that's published a book about the actress's life and then when Uh he goes back to his alma mater to uh talk talk to his professor who had written a book about time travel and so they both Mm -hmm. kind of explain a lot and uh both of those instances actually kind of cracked me up because when he approaches them, uh-huh. they're like, well, the first, the, the woman who'd written the, um, the book about the, the book. actress, she's like, um, no, I can't talk about it. Or like, um, you need to go. And I forget what she does, but it's like, wait, you've written a book about something and somebody's interested in it. And you're like ushering them <laughs> out. Like how improbable is that? It's like, you know, it's like, this is the thing you care most about in the world. And you're like, yeah. uh, no, no, it's not. I can't talk to you because I'm, <laughs> I live alone and I'm not doing anything all day long. And it's raining. Can't you see? Like we can't talk about this book. Well, you know, and I, I feel I hadn't even noticed stuff like that because I think I just assumed it was just this sort of mystery that sort of clouded um, Jane Seymour's character uh-huh. um, where it's like, ooh, no, does any... They have to make it like a little bit hard for him to get the information. Like he has to like, you know, it doesn't just fall in his lap. He's like, no, yeah, I need they... to know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He He is just... So... You know, for our listeners, there's this moment um, in the in the movie where Christopher Reeve um, he sees her picture for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and she was an actress from 1912, yeah. and he just falls in love with her yeah. picture. Which now I see that I'm thinking, 
Like that's stalker behavior, <laughs> or that's creeper yeah. behavior. Multi-dimension for sure. stalker. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, uh, this is our our Facebook creeper out uh-huh. here, but um, <laughs> but you know, so anyway, he has this moment when he kind of like falls for her picture. Yeah. Because she looks, you know, so sort of angelic, and I, uh, Jane Seymour, I will say this. Looks like a goddamn porcelain doll she, in this she movie. Does. Like she's so pretty. Yeah, yeah. She's so pretty. And you know what? Maybe that's another reason why I am so embarrassed for this movie because it is kind of a pretty movie and it's not. But you know, you I know. mean, that's interesting because as contemporary artists, like, do we apologize for being seduced by aesthetics? You know, because sometimes mm-hmm. just things that are beautiful are captivating. And, you know, it doesn't mean they're empty. It doesn't mean they don't have other content. But the thing that, you know, seduces you is the visual. Yes, yeah. And I I don't know how to reckon with that. I blame, I, bl- I blame, a, like, I don't know who to blame for that, but. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. <sighs> I'm I'm down for blaming academia for everything because yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe the art the art his, like, history yeah like crit- critical world it's like I guess yeah. it it's it's sort of it's a system of snubbery where it's like mm-hmm. oh only a few people can really understand this and um, <laughs> you know it's a it's kind of uh, rarefied perception and. Um, I don't, it's like, not, like it can't be. How do I say it? Like it can't be ecumenical, where we are all are populist, where we all understand this. It's like only a few learned people will get it, and that makes it somehow more valuable. And it's like we also, yeah. as critical people, like distinguish ourselves for our like superior perception. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but then we give like Darren Jones shit for liking Thomas Kincaid, so we're just. <laughs> but you as know bad. what? He's to- okay. So Aaron's just referenced a friend of ours who's an art critic, <laughs> and he was playing devil's advocate with us. I say, uh-huh. in saying that, like, uh-huh. you know, why isn't Thomas Kincaid, you know, considered a great artist just because he's commercially successful and. Uh, you know, Darren really knew what he was doing with like poking us with a sharp stick with that argument. You know, it's like it's uh-huh. infuriating because the work is saccharine. It's you know, uh-huh. uh, it's completely commercial. It has, I don't think, any redeeming qualities, and it's um, it's pretty much predicated on a lie of like coziness oh, yeah. and safety. Well, yeah, and, and his yeah. His life, you know. Oh yeah, he was um, like a raging alcoholic, right? That, and I think a drug addict, yeah. maybe, or at least a pill popper. Um, there's some story about how he went to see um, Siegfried and Roy in uh, Las Vegas and heckled them. Oh, like God. made a Seriously? yeah. I don't. I think it might be you know easily accessible story if you if you Google. But um, yeah, he was drunk and he's like yelling things at them during their performance and making a huge scene. So yeah, I mean, he probably didn't. He probably didn't tip his waiter either, <laughs> and he's just a jerk. Right. I mean, all, there are a lot of awful wealthy people 
successful and yeah. wealthy who don't ever consider like giving back but okay we're getting off track <laughs> oh no okay it's okay like, don't it's okay don't give me an, a platform I... to hate on rich people <laughs> we'll be here all day i wanted to ask i wanted to ask you had what okay so when uh richard which is again um christopher, christopher mm -hmm. reeve i keep wanting to say reeves but is I know it that's not, not reeves right. it's reeve it's reeve okay but I know it sounds weird to say it, um, but I, his character goes back in time to find Jane Seymour, who is Elise McKenna. Uh -huh. So, and and he's a playwright and she's an actress. He's a yes, yeah, so she's an but actress. she's an actress um, in like 1910, and he's a playwright in uh, 1970, from 1979, right? 79, yeah. 79. Okay. yeah. Or at least he'd been working uh, probably about maybe you know some odd years yeah. after that, maybe. A half a decade. Yeah, so there's roughly least, but... like 60 years age difference between them. Oh, and like their their meeting, like at the beginning of the film, is that he he's just he's oh, written yeah. a play. It's been produced in Chicago, yeah. and they're having like a little after party on the stage. And this elderly woman comes over to him and hands him a pocket watch and says, "Come find me." Is that what she says? Come back Come to back me. Come back to me. I know this movie so well. Come back yeah. to me, Harry. Um, yeah, and he's just like, well, I don't know who this And then she leaves, yeah. Is. No explanation. She just leaves, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and then she dies, um, I think, the following day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she sort of is a, I, I don't know. Like we follow her back to know. some old, like, Victorian boarding house yes. or something. It seems like she just and, goes to her rooms and expires. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, af you know, some years afterwards, uh, Richard is, um, you know, kind of a successful playwright. Mm -hmm. And then he just decides he's in kind of a, you know, creative, you know, slump. Uh -huh. So he decides just to get out of town, get out of Chicago, which is where he was living. Broke up with his girlfriend, or maybe she broke up with him. I don't remember. I don't either. And then um, he drives past this hotel, this amazing hotel that actually exists. That's not a set or anything. Right. That's an actual hotel. It's in Michigan. So, right. um, Michigan. Yeah. yeah. In fact, my sister and I have looked into staying there, and it's very, very, very expensive. Uh -huh. um, so we're so saving So you only up. stayed for a week? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it cost a million dollars. It's really, really expensive. Yeah. But um, anyway, so he just decides, you know, I never stayed in this hotel i've you know driven by it or maybe went to college uh -huh. close by so he comes in and stays at the hotel and that's where he sees um elise mckenna's you know photograph right it's like a little he, uh, like a little historical like Hall of yeah, yeah yeah that's attached yeah, to the hotel in the hotel it's like yeah exactly it's got like a guest registry in a case and he's looking at the names uh -huh. yeah yeah and then you know you have the music and it's like yes he's falling in love with her picture um so he decides to do his research and sorry my neighbor's you know, dog is barking that's oh no okay. you're fine um and so he decides to um figure out who she was and then he and then he's able through his research discovers that it's that elderly woman uh -huh that came up to him at the very beginning of the movie and suddenly it's like oh my god this is a, this is incredible uh -huh. um and 
figures out a way through hypno hypnosis to go back to her. Um, and this is the part that I, I think I've always been drawn to, which is the idea that you can sort of transport yourself through to a different time period with with context, right? Because that's all he did. He, he put on the clothes, he got rid of all the technology. And I, I feel like that, I don't know much about actual time travel or physics or anything yeah. like that. I don't, I don't think the filmmakers do either. <laughs> <laughs> no, and when you start thinking, if you start breaking this down, like it's going to fall apart real, real quick. <laughs> but this, I, th I think that in a way, if you are in an authentic setting, uh -huh. 100% correct, uh -huh. you are kind of there. Like you're kind of experiencing the world right. in that yeah. way. And I just I just love that idea. And I think I get drawn to certain, you know, aesthetics yeah. from yesteryear uh -huh. Uh -huh. Be because I'm always trying to get to that point of like, you know, maybe you could sort of transport yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it might just be the definition that is problematic of like time travel. You know, because we think of it in a particular way. And, you, you know, even when you think about like hallucinatory experiences that are drug induced and how few mm -hmm. um, like films really get anywhere near it. Um, and, you know, maybe the same is true for this and that the way they go about like explaining or trying to recreate or create that experience of traveling through time, it's like maybe it's not translatable or illustratable. It's, uh, but you know, it, like in, in a different way, they could be talking about lucid dreaming or meditation or like, you know, traveling in time in quotation marks. It's like realizing mm -hmm. like time is nonlinear, everything's existing on at the same time and why couldn't we access it? And maybe we do through works of art you know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that's mm -hmm. sort of what, gosh, maybe that's Ooh. what we're doing right now, Aaron, is like by making things, we're leaving little like talisman moments in time for other people to discover. Hyde, I'm putting that in my next <laughs> I'm taking that. You cannot use no, I'm it. I'm not using it. Using I mean, that. I feel like. <laughs> no, that's, I think that's quite you, brilliant. You kind actually, of, that. well, you know, you set it up. Um, okay. But <laughs> Teamwork. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something there where, you know, we we can sort of look at object yeah. making as a way to... Oh, no. There's my dog. <laughs> Stinker. This is like, artists talk about movies while their dogs are barking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, maybe we could get a pet food sponsor. Yeah. Ooh, or... If it could be Purina, which is the only food George eats, that would be. <laughs> um, Maybe we could aim higher, you know. Okay, we're gonna. <laughs> and, and it, but you know, and I think that um, in a way, I you know, going back to what we were sort of talking about, there's something about the performance of art too, uh -huh. you know, that we could kind of maybe connect it to those ideas where. And in, at least in the movie, you know, Richard is having to uh, sort of play dress up or sort of do right. a performance. And when okay. he goes yes. back, 
he also sort of has to perform uh-huh. in a way that doesn't put him as like an alien right. from he, the future. I keep waiting for him to tell her when he finds her, when he makes contact, he's like, can I see you? Can I spend more time with you? And she's, she's really uh-huh. being controlled by this uh, manager. Uh-huh. Now, is the is the manager her boyfriend too, or no? I don't think so. Okay, I had serious questions about this with this recent viewing uh-huh. because, um, you know, uh, Richard and the manager um, Robinson they go back and forth. You know, oh, you know, you you think you can you know steal her away, and you know you're going to ruin her acting career. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he is interested in her in that way. But he a, smells trouble. Know. He's like, this is my cash cow, and this guy's Here's, about to get in the middle of it and it disrupt. Could, there's that part, mm-hmm. yes. But here's the other thing I thought. Okay, so he, Robinson is basically predicting, you know, uh-huh. um... Uh, Richard's arrival, right? Because Elise, right. Elise McKenna is like, oh, is is he the one you warned me uh-huh. about? And I think maybe the manager is a time traveler too. Because well, how did he know? That kind of, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Maybe and there, he knows yeah. something. And there is this moment when it's like, so he has to, like, I'm not a sci- science fiction person, but like, I understand this idea of uh, through friends that are, and they'll talk about the, uh, oh shit, will I get the phrase right? It's um, the, not the continuum, but it's something, somebody, somebody's listening to the podcast right now and yelling this term out. Um, (laughs) It's like, don't disrupt the main, like it's not, it's not the main objective. It's the shit. Um, Do you, are you familiar, Aaron? Mm -mm. Like it's, it's like, um, if you get a chance to time travel, they say don't interfere with things because oh, the prime directive, like the butterf- that's what I've yes. heard it called. And so... The, or like the butterfly effect? I saw that movie. Okay, I don't know. Okay. I've never seen that one. But, but you know, when, when he's checking into the hotel, when he gets to travel back in time and he studied the, the hotel uh, ledger from... Uh, 1910 or, or 1911, whenever that is. Um, but mm-hmm. in, in the 70s, when he's studying the ledger that he finds at the, at the hotel and, and he sees that he signed in on a certain date at a certain time and in a certain room. And when he gets to travel back in time and he goes to the front desk and the guy hands him a key and it's not the right room number. And he's like, mm-hmm. are you sure this is for me? And then somebody comes out from the back and goes like, oh, we've given that room to someone else. Give him this room. And so he's like, he's relieved because he's getting the right room number. And then he's writing in the, the time of arrival. And like Christopher Reeve is is telling the desk clerk, like, it, it's this time exactly. You know, he's making sure he uh-huh. gets it just right. And um, so it, I guess in that way, if the, if the manager, if the theatrical manager of the actress of Elise is a time traveler as well. Like, yeah, he understands that like, if, if, if anything is different, it's gonna, um, it's gonna change history. 
I mean, here's where things get wonky, yeah. and this is why I don't try to think about this movie too, too much, <laughs> is because, so obviously he went back in time before, yeah. right? Yeah. They had already done this. Right, like, so, yeah, the chicken or the egg, like, which one yeah, is like, following which, <laughs> which one, yeah. Yeah, and then something didn't go, something went wrong the at least the first time. We don't know if this has been, like, a cyclical thing. Do they just keep going round and round? But something didn't go right because he is not in the past. He's in his present. So it's like you almost wanted it to be different because then it's like, well, are you just going to repeat the same thing? Uh-huh. I don't know. It makes my head hurt thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it kind of it reminds me of a, a certain like description of hell and that they're trapped in the cyclical relationship where they're kept from one another, you know, mm-hmm. and they're longing for one another. And uh, that sounds torturous. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, but then <laughs> in the end of the movie, they kind of end up together a little bit, sort of, in the afterlife. It's... Yeah, it looks like they're <laughs> they're going to slow dance in heaven or something. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a nice ending. It's a satisfying ending. Um, but it, yeah, it does beg the question, you know, sort of, when did this all start and like why didn't elise mckenna go back in time couldn't she have done that too she had the book you know and she could have you know figured it out for herself Uh too i mean actually hide somebody should make that movie maybe there needs to be a (laughs) what is it called back sorry i'm getting i kept wanting to say like don't say back to the future because that's not that's not the same film Maybe there's a mashup possibility here between Back in Time mm. and Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you, um, so, okay, so first of all, did you find the movie uh, sort of creepy? Like yeah. the, his appro- Richard's approach to trying to woo Elise McKenna. Uh-huh. Did, like, did you think it was just romantic or did you think it was creepy or what did you think? Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, look at films that are 30, 40 years old um, through like the lens of, of 2021 because, um, yeah, what might have been seen as flattering then about being pursued could be super creepy mm-hmm. right now. And so, yeah, like who is a stranger what does he want? Of course, like Elise is this famous actress, and so she's going to have, she's going to have stalkers. Like actresses aren't, you know, <clears throat> not pursued. They're in the limelight. They're they're going to get a lot of attention. Totally, totally. And I I don't know if you recall the line that he was practicing that he was going to say. And he to never her. really says remember? it, does he? He never said it. But what was he thinking? Do you remember that? Um, what he wanted to say he's like hello it's a Ms. Test. i'm um yeah blah 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 i yeah yeah and then he said he said uh something like you don't know me but you will it's like what kind of pickup line <laughs> like that's the first oh i can see thing. that being used right you don't you don't know me but you will what which is really like why are you gonna fuck up my whole life <laughs> i know please don't be important to me in that way <laughs> Here's the crazy part, Hyde, is that 
because I like this movie so much, actually, I think that would probably work on me, but only because I I would say, oh, you know that film, I love that movie. Uh-huh. Um, but most of the time, I think that's a terrible pickup line. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I'm trying to put myself in his place, like, you come from the future, how do you tell this person that you've only seen their photograph that you love them? Uh-huh. And, and right. I don't know if you ca- caught this, but, like, their love story is in like 24 hours. Yeah. And I was wondering if it's like a Groundhog's Day kind of thing where they just have to repeat, repeat, (gasps) repeat. And yes. Yeah. And maybe that's why they're infatuated with. It's sort of Black Mirror in a way. Yeah, it um, is. Where you've got, I don't know if you've, if you've watched any of that. I I love that series. Okay, I have to watch those like very sparing. Oh yeah, they're they're exhausting. They're so good. But they kind of, they kind of, they're kind of a gut punch. Yes, yeah. So this doesn't have the gut punch, but this one could. And that's why I was sort of thinking um, and suggested to you earlier that this actually could be a horror, a yes, horror movie. With different music. If it had different music or, you know, some different editing. Yeah. And also maybe like a Groundhog Day sort of, you know, repetition. I agree with you 100%. They, and, and I, you know... I learned something. I learned something when I was watching this. Uh-huh. This, which I wasn't expecting, you know, to sort of pick up on uh-huh. some of these um, uncomfortable behaviors that we think are romantic, uh-huh. but are actually. And actually, I'll say this: when I was uh, reading the book and I was preparing for that exhibition, uh-huh. I was getting really um, frustrated because, like, she's a she's a professional. Um, she takes her work seriously and here's this dude coming around bugging her uh-huh. and it's like, let her work. Right. Like he's like, well, oh. can't, can't you take off this and can't you come right. for a walk? And it's yeah, like, cause she, Hey man, she needs to prepare she's got shit to do. Yeah. She's, got she's like, I have to, I have to rest before my performance. Yeah. And he's pushing, pushing. Yeah. Yeah. He's so pushy. Yeah. And it's like, and I think because I was so stressed preparing for that <laughs> exhibition and I'm just like, let her work. She has so much work to mm-hmm. do. Like she is a performer. Um, and so that was something that I definitely took away in yeah. um, uh, probably a couple years ago when I was really looking into this for inspiration, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which was not expected because I'm always whenever, and it's kind of like when I watch this film, it's kind of like slipping into a warm bubble bath. Yeah. It always feels good. Well, you you know, know? It, it's funny because like knowing how important this film is to you and you know, whether, you know, it's a great work of art or not. It's like, I think it depends, like, you know, speaking of like, what is the name of the film again? I'm forgetting. It's, I'm, I feel like I'm messing it up. It's. Wait, which uh, film? The film we're, t- <laughs> the film oh. we're talking about. Like, somewhere, somewhere in, time. in time. I keep wanting to say back in time. Yeah. So like, speaking of somewhere in time, like, you know, whatever was happening in your world, like the universe opens up in this moment with this artwork and it has a particular resonance for you. And, and Mm -hmm. it, it always evokes those feelings, you know? And I think about that with, it's very common with music, you know, it's like, I hear a song from the seventies and I think about, you know, 
bumping up and down on a tractor on my family's farm <laughs> when I'm in junior high, like driving a tractor oh, yeah. all day long and listening to the radio. And it's like, I can't hear one of those songs without transporting right back. Oh, I can yeah. smell the earth being like the soil being tilled, you know, it's like, yeah. there's a lot of like sensory uh, information that comes to me immediately, you know, yeah. So yeah. In, a, in a sense, you know, maybe we're looking at time travel too literally, you know, maybe mm -hmm. even like remembering how we feel about something as time travel. You know what? Maybe in the film, he didn't actually go back. Maybe he just was having a memory uh -huh. and maybe he was just hungry <laughs> and then sort of. Yeah. Like low I don't blood sugar, you mean? Low blood sugar. Yeah. And he had that and brain then, tumor. He, Which well, is not in the book, in the, he had yeah, that brain not in the film, but in the yeah. book. Yeah, but um, yeah, so maybe he didn't really go back, and then he, I don't, you know, for spoiler alert for the ending, he ends up, um, uh, I don't know how he dies, but he basically stops eating, so probably malnourished. Oh, right, right. And then he dies. Yeah. Because he's so. He's despondent, you know, right? Distraught. That's what it he's is. Distraught, yeah. 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 That's right. So they f they eventually find him, and he, you know, that's the moment when he ascends into a sort of heavenly space. Yeah, uh, his eyes are open. He's just uh, he's just staring into space, not blinking. And yeah, he's got pale yeah. makeup on. <laughs> that's how that's how I'm gonna look tomorrow because now I've got my second you know COVID vaccine. I'm like, <laughs> Don't Breath. go too far back. Yeah. I know. Uh, now, Hyde, would you ever be interested in time travel um, if you could, if you actually could? Sure, sure. Where, which, which, which moment <laughs> would you want to go back to? Oh, that's a toughie. I mean, does it just have to be one, or can we bounce around? Also, you know, like what I was talking about with the Prime Directive and like the possibility of, of you know you go back and you know rig the world series or like <laughs> you know mm -hmm. tell somebody mm -hmm. that a bomb is going to be dropped and they should you know like yeah. i feel like knowing myself i couldn't just do it like i just couldn't do it for fun i couldn't do it for kicks if i had the opportunity to travel in time i would try to stop some disaster or mm. cause a disaster. That's so benevolent of you and your your sort of make believe, you know, wishful thinking. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I I find that because I will ask myself that question. Uh -huh. In fact, sometimes I'll even get bored, like at airports, and I'll just imagine people walking around in like 17th century, uh -huh. you know, attire, and it just you know, sort of feeling like a go back in time a little yeah. bit for you know a little moment but i'm always like as a woman i'm never going to be in a good spot that's true um, right historically and you as a gay man will always never be in a good spot <laughs> either. yeah i mean yeah maybe maybe in some uh you know um time periods more so than others yeah. but it's i true. honestly and this is weird but i would go back to the point at which we are like very rudimentary human beings. Yeah. Um, like before we started agriculture, that's when I would go back. That 
to is kind of fascinating, <laughs> right? Because it's before we we just fuck things up uh-huh. right so badly. To kind of understand what an elemental human is without all the trappings pre-commerce. Yeah, I mean, I think we can kind of we still. Yeah. Yeah, we still understand our basic needs and desires, but they're in, we built a cage around uh-huh. ourselves and now we're living in it. And, you know, right. it it's really, um, it's not a comfortable place to be yeah. in because you're told that you have everything you could want, all these opportunities, and yet you're still depressed. You're still... Yeah you know, suffocating. And it's really because we're, we built a world that's not meant for us to be happy. It's in. true. There you are know? so many restrictions right now, even, even though there are a lot of freedoms, you know, there are, there are a lot of um, fears and threats and um, yeah. Yeah. It, and uh there's a book that I read um, a little while ago called Civilized to Death. <laughs> and I, I can't remember who I loaned it to, but um, if I'll get it back, I'll let you borrow it. And it was pretty much just about how we were so much like as a species, we thrived before agriculture. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's when I, I'm thinking. Right. Like, and we also didn't think about property in the same uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. And I think that really messes us up. And what, quite yeah, a bit. and what is our perception of progress and success? And it's like, it, we didn't come, you and I did not come up with these ideas. Like, through mm-hmm. a, like a long, like, chain of propaganda. Like, we, mm-hmm. we, we have some sense of what it would mean to be successful. And, and in some ways, we're controlled with that. Um, absolutely absolutely it's like not my goal yeah now I will say this going back that far I would want a small caveat which is I never want to uh, give birth no no (laughs) you're (laughs) gonna be childless in every dimension (laughs) I mean I know that's sort of counterintuitive to our ancient ancestors but um, you just depopulated the modern world (laughs) I did I did. They're better for it. We don't need more of my genes yeah. spreading in the pool. I mean, but that would be yeah. the only ugh, thing that I, I yeah. wouldn't feel comfortable with having um, giving birth. Yeah. Um, I don't feel comfortable with it now. Yeah. But, you know, at least you've got, you know, yeah. humane ways to do it. But anyway, so... Well, the planet would um, be much healthier with um, with no human activity on it. Yeah, but honestly, we're not bad. It's just we started to build a world that it, like, as, you know, sort of nomadic um, hunter-gatherers, uh-huh. we're, we're perfectly fine. Right, like, because we're like other animal species, the, like industrialization yes. and, like, altering the Earth's chemicals, and like, through, yeah. like, petrochemical, yeah. And so... Switching, I want to talk about The Bachelorette, which I know is related, <laughs> obviously, to is this a, mankind and the destruction. A season that's happening right now or just in general, oh, The Bachelorette? Oh, man. You know, The Bachelorette, just in general. Okay. Because um, I was thinking about it when I was watching this movie. Uh-huh. And um, so The Bachelorette, um, <laughs> you know, for those of you all who have not watched a season or two, uh-huh. it's it's a strange thing that 
you know, we as humans have done. Like we've set up these artificial environments for people to find a partner. Uh -huh. and, and a competition nonetheless. And a competition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, uh, can you imagine? No. Like just tell some, I know. Like pick me, like, pick me. Like. Pick yeah. me to marry, to marry for, you know, for, right. not forever. Because you know but, you're really you know. going to get a, a true sense of the person while they're, like, oh, yeah. surrounded by a oh, camera yeah. crew. Mm -hmm. And they're feeding you lines yeah. and, you know, that garbage. Yeah. Um, but it, it the, this movie sort of reminded me of The Bachelorette. Like, I felt like Elise was The Bachelorette, and she only had really one or two bachelor, uh -huh. you know, or, you know, vying for her. Right. But... It just, it made me feel uncomfortable for her uh -huh. because she has, you know, I don't know if you remember, but um, right before um, Richard goes back to the um, his present day, which happens because he finds this penny in his coat pocket from 1979. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a shocking uh, moment in the film where... Yeah, and no, you don't see it coming. Yeah, I, I actually think. made a noise when I was watching oh, it no. and yeah, he pulls the penny up and it says 1972 and it destroys. Oh no, it's huh? hide. It says 1979. Oh, which I think is really weird. Um, like if you think about it, uh -huh. because the movie was made in 1979, right? Oh yeah. So, and I thought, I know this is a little tangent no, no, no. here, but who put that penny there? Because I mean, imagine oh, right. picking a random, like you buy yep. old clothes and there's a penny but, from your exact yeah. year that you're living. But didn't he, didn't he have the, the, the suit made for him? I felt like there's a scene where he goes to a tailor Ooh. and he has oh. a suit made for him, but it's a, it's a little out of date. Yes, you know what? I thought I I thought that he found an old suit that happened to fit. You might be right. Him. You might be right. You've seen I, it more times than I have. I have seen it, but that is a little ambiguous, but for me I just yeah, I just couldn't understand. Like I could see 1972 penny because, you know, you've had a few years, maybe somebody Uh-huh. You know who donated that, you know, yeah. particular suit, but like who put that penny there? Did uh -huh. um because he's not using the suit in the 1970s. He, no, he's only no. using the, the suit to try to transport himself in time. So he's not like running yeah. errands in the suit. I feel like that's sort of like a big plot hole that uh -huh. they kind of... And I know that they're like, well, find a penny. Oh, okay, 1979. Well, that's when we're, you know, that's a new penny. Uh -huh. But I think if it had been like from 1972, the audience still would have rec recognized that that was not 1912 uh -huh. and would have allowed him to still, you know, disappear into his present day. Yeah. But so that's weird. And I hadn't really thought about that until this this viewing. Uh -huh. But do you do you remember that conversation when they were um, sort of post coitus having that like you know, meal on the rug. Uh -huh. Do you remember what their conversation was? Um, no, I don't think I do. I mean, right before he pulls the penny out, she's making fun of his suit. Mm -hmm. And she's mm -hmm. saying, oh, it's, you know, it's out of fashion. Because he, I guess right. he he thought he got it just right, but he's a little, a little off. But yeah, but if you're like, you know, traveling 80 years, you yeah, know, yeah, or se he, 70 years, yeah, and he's saying, like, oh, what's wrong with my suit? Look, it can do this, it can do that, it's got pockets for a, co 
a coin. Whoa. Yeah. I know. A coin. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but he, so she asks him, well, you're going to marry me, right? Oh, yeah, like, I do remember this. He loves her because he saw that photo, duh. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he's hooked, <laughs> well, and now they're just going to live the rest of their lives. I mean, it, ah. And it just screamed bachelorette to me. It's like, well, you're going to marry me, right? You know, that's funny. My take on it was like, I kept seeing them um, whenever he would try to visit her in the hotel and he would try to be alone with her. And I was like, Mm. okay, she's an actress for one. And like that profession is pretty much seen in in tandem with prostitution at that time you know it's like like oh to say that you you know your sister worked in the theater was to say like oh my sister's a whore you know and so Mm. i'm sure she had to really um maintain a a reputation of of being um of of not um sleeping around and then this man's like popping into her bedchamber all the time and she's even got like that sort of uh uh, like a maid who might be a chaperone too. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. But when she uh-huh, says like, yeah. you're going to marry me. See, I was thinking that it's like you, you, you have to make this an honorable exchange. Now that I've slept with you, you can't, if right. you can't just uh, like use me like this. Uh huh. Uh huh. Man, she is not from the 21st century. That is for <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. I mean, if you text somebody too soon, they run away. <laughs> I mean, it's which is really. I mean, uh, yeah, ju- just as artificial to oh, yeah. you know to say that it's like oh you know one incident of sex means that we've got to be together forever versus like sex means nothing ever and like mm-hmm. you know now that I got your candy. Um, <laughs> you know, you won't yeah, see bye-bye. me again. I can't talk to you again. And, you know. Oh, so many tender days. <laughs> yeah. I... And I was all, and I remember when I, and I didn't meet Ben on Tinder, but I, um, <laughs> I met him on the old fashioned way at a bar. And <laughs> we, and I remember him like, he probably won't text me tomorrow because it's too soon and you don't want to be too strong, you know, yeah. and it's so silly. Yeah, well, you know, so I did this uh, series. Um, I, what started um, the work about this movie is that I found a penny on a, in a parking lot somewhere, uh-huh. and it was so scuffed up. It was just almost unrecognizable as a penny. Uh-huh. And I thought, God, that's the penny I wish Had he would in... have found yeah. in his pocket because yeah. he wouldn't have seen the date. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so now... I have a collection of pennies um, where you can't see the date on them. And they're all really beautiful in their own little ways. Yeah. And um, But I, I sort of paired that uh, penny up with a quote from the movie on, on paper. Uh-huh. And I had the quote from the movie printed out, but then I decided I needed to sort of erase the quote because um, it was a modern thing. Like a modern thing to do was to print something. Oh. And so... In all these little ways, I came up with ways to sort of erase or hide or scribble out the... the um, like the current technology, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and one of them I thought was my favorite one is that I <laughs> I had my brother-in-law somehow, he was working at um, uh, like a barbershop uh-huh. and I asked him to bring home some hair <laughs> if he could, uh, some like brown hair. I'm, I'm going to work. <laughs> no. Do you guys need anything before I come back? Yeah. Can you bring back yes. some hair? <laughs> <laughs> can, you, 
What, what kind of just hair? A bad it doesn't cold matter. Do. Just a pile of hair. Just a pile. I'm gonna make some art. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. My brother-in-law he brought back a you know a little bag of hair, and I thought, oh, this is brilliant. So I cut up the hair because he had to give himself a little haircut, you know, to go back in time. Oh right. Um, and so I would sort of hide the 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 print the printed uh, text with the hair uh -huh. clippings. And so it was sort of this little nod and a little wink to the movie, but it was never terribly like literal. But my favorite piece from that show I did about this movie uh -huh. was the lover's picnic. So I had this platform built and I had this, I bought this um, sort of an antique rug uh -huh. and I sort of set the stage for a lover's picnic in the way that they had in the movie. Uh huh. Which was and indoors, what you're talking about, the indoors. scene, the post-coital scene right before Ex he zips back exactly. through time. Exactly. Uh -huh. So there, so I've got these old, you know, silver pieces and crystal pieces. And then for the exhibition, um, I had bought all this, you know, food like grapes and figs and bread and all this uh -huh. other stuff and wine. And um, Ben and I had our picnic right before the opening. Uh Oh, in and the space. So, in the space, right? So, you know, we'd eaten <laughs> about half of it. Like, we didn't, I wanted to make sure there was some, you know, yeah. because we, then we, I left it there for it to basically decay uh -huh. for this, the, the rest of the, the six weeks that it ran Ooh, for. Funky. So, all these, <laughs> yeah, I know. Some of these flies how, and how the, how the gallery attendants feel about Oh, that. my God. Well, I told, so Giovanni was running the space at the uh -huh. time, and I, you know, I told him a while ago before um, I did the show, uh -huh. I said, I'm going to do this picnic. And he was like, yeah, whatever. And then <laughs> I think he forgot. And I'm going to leave my so, garbage to decay <laughs> for six weeks. <laughs> so as I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to the fancy grocery store because, you know, we got to. I get the fancy um, kind of food for this uh -huh. and um, get set up. And he said, what are you, wait, what are you doing? And I said, well, remember, I'm doing this picnic and then it's just going to stay there for, he's like, wait, what? And I was like, you've approved this dude. Uh -huh. And today is the day. But it, it was just so wonderful to see it um, transform. But th that's kind of like how I imagined um, what, you know, we didn't get to see that part in the movie because, you know, at least we didn't get to see her side, what happened when he disappeared. We just know that she became an old lady. Right, right. Older lady. She goes and on so with her life. Yeah. She goes on with her life, but maybe that picnic sort of got left there, you know, for a good bit of time before anybody picked it up. But I also just thought it was this really beautiful metaphor for relationships and how sometimes they can start out, you know, in this really romantic way and then... You know, they can sort of sour um, or start to rot. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Over right? time. Well, and that's just the organic quality of our world is that, like, things don't stay pristine. They exactly. metamorphose. They, exactly. And then I don't actually think it was, I, I don't see that as a negative thing. I don't think breakups now, looking back, I don't think breakups are a failure. I think that they're still a success. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a weird it's weird that a lot of people don't think that because it's we're not really conditioned right, to. Right, 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 right. You know, I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's a peeve of mine when people talk about a failed relationship. And I was like, what does success look like for you? We died together. 
Like we win because <laughs> no. we both died the same week. At the you know? exact same time. Yeah. You know. Uh, so a God. double suicide is the only way to make your relationship successful. Yes, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's bonkers. Um, and I understand how we're conditioned to think that way, but yeah. I have really actively tried to think about relationships and, in a more positive. And being present, like understanding, mm-hmm. like it's just this moment. You know? Yeah. And and that's, you know, looking back in my younger self and sure. watching this movie and a lot of other romantic movies like this, you know, it really sets up a lot of people up for failure in the way that they think about Because it's unreal expectation. It's mm-hmm. un- unrealistic. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's like cultural sabotage. And yes. you know, actually I, there are a lot of uh romantic comedies that piss me off because Please tell because me. of what it does you know and it's like now you've set this up and this is how everyone thinks they should have these experiences and they don't understand the like the disappointment or they don't understand mm-hmm. just the um the not the staleness but like just the like the 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 non-excitement of regular life and that that's the majority of your life is is not the hun- the week of honeymoon it's it's trying to sustain a life together and uh yeah it's not it's not exciting it's not thrilling you know it's a different mm-hmm. kind of thing but that's not that's not the fireworks that we focus on i think and I love watching movies. I love popular culture. But there is something that has entered our brains where we Completely. think that we are meant to live this sort yes. of like epic life. It, it's and... kind of like a drug addiction. It's like, wow, like cocaine was really fun. I want to do cocaine mm-hmm. every day. It's like, well, you're about to destroy your life. <laughs> right, right. And, and you know, that whole you know sort of yolo approach to life i mean i oh yeah yolo i under yeah um, i mean that's that's so outdated now it's embarrassing mm-hmm. but um <laughs> i just i mean i don't often we don't have movies about boring and mundane things very often because they're not exciting to watch but then uh-huh. we have these expectations for the way that we live our lives so they have to be this yeah. extraordinary thing all the time yeah and it's a lot to live up to and i think that, yeah. That's why a lot of people get really frustrated. I agree. Um, I agree. I don't know if you were ever told this, but when I was a kid, we were always told, uh, you know, when you're choosing a career, which is like this other huge misconception that people have. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's like, do what you love. Do what you love and you'll uh-huh. never have to work. Did you, uh-huh. did you ever yep, hear that yep. when you were a kid? I feel like I heard that yesterday. I feel like that is such crap. Uh-huh. Like. <laughs> do things that you love, but that doesn't have to be your career because a lot of people get really frustrated, you know, that right. they're not fulfilled right. in this career. It's yeah. like, that's okay. Like, I'm teaching is fine. Yeah. Um, I get to pay my bills. I like yeah. that. But that's not what I really, you know, yeah. enjoy the most. Well, it's like an integrated life where, like, you accept like the disappointments, the mundaneness, mm-hmm. the suffering, the mm-hmm. sick days. It's all a part of it. It's the yeah. it's it's the flow of energy, good days, bad days, you know. But it's like, yeah, it's like if we if we just yeah, I I agree. I think we're we're kind of led down an unrealistic path through media mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. uh it's very destructive. 
it is yeah i mean it i look back at the movies that i watched you know growing up and these sort of you know having these um you know that shaped my uh, expectations mm -hmm. and god they're just they're, it's so damaging yeah and i'm having to unlearn yeah so it's your actively much. unlearn i agree mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you know part of that is like um saying i don't want to have children it's not mm -hmm. necessary that i get married it's mm -hmm. not like like the 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 lifestyle you're comfortable in um mm -hmm. maybe isn't a goal of mine because it um it's going to require that i sacrifice my time and my finances to it and maybe that's just not as important to me but to to step forward and say those things is sort of like uh, disavowing christianity because mm -hmm. it forces people that are adherent to those systems to to look critically at those systems and they and they take that very personally it's like oh you're trying to fuck up my whole thing here by being right. you know <laughs> they're not saying like you're yeah you know so i mean yeah i mean whenever um my grandmother you know we have conversations and we don't have this so much anymore um but maybe about five or ten years ago it was yep. definitely on yep. the front burner about having children and getting married <laughs> she was always like well i didn't get married until i was you know 32 so you still have time uh -huh, it's like why uh -huh. am i your metric um yep. for happiness yeah. and um and what brought her happiness or maybe did or didn't you know yeah it's, it's i mean not, i think yeah. in her way she was happy but because she was able to check these boxes like yeah. marriage yeah. children house but check and then it didn't matter and i don't know if that's so much true today but my my grandmother's generation if you could check those boxes you're fine uh -huh. like you didn't need anything else um right. and right but if you don't, if you decide not to check those boxes, then you're sort of, yeah, you're right. You're sort of like you, maybe you're, judging you're them. You're rebelling. Or... And, you know, people that haven't rebelled might look at you as sort of a, a dangerous element. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like uh, you're breaking away from the herd and that's kind of making the herd look, look bad somehow. Yeah. 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 Do we want to have a, like some final thoughts? Yes, that would be. I think that's very appropriate. Okay. Um, why don't you? Why don't you start? Hi. I know. Final thoughts. It's like right, writing the. We well, have to write a conclusion. I mean, it is. It is interesting because we watch this film, we have these reactions, and then we realize like it's really illustrating, like huge parts of like expected behavior, and. Um, you know, like, like the very most defining moments of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, those, those aren't the same for everyone. And mm -hmm. like even finding romance, it's like, well, just even, even the idea of like, there's somebody for everyone. It's like, well, what if there's like 14 people for you yes. or no one or like, yeah. you know, it just depends what kind of experiences you're kind of like allow yourself to have. Yeah. I mean, in our hearts, we're romantic dreamers. And I don't know if we can ever push that aside. Um, yeah. But I do think we also need sort of healthy doses of some reality checks where I agree. Yeah. We, you know, need to sort of 
maintain those expectations. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, when I sort of was out in the, uh, you know, when I was dating or being romantic with, uh-huh. you know, several people, <laughs> it was pretty awful. <laughs> people. It was pretty terrible. I mean, I, uh-huh. I really struggled. I think a lot of people struggle too. Oh and yeah. It's okay. Like we're all struggling together. We all uh-huh. have these, um, systems that make it hard uh-huh, for us uh-huh. and that's not only like the physical like software or whatever but it's also like the ways that we've set up you know mm-hmm. what we should expect from one another right and 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 the pressure of like I really want to make a connection with a person and then you know you meet people that aren't really available for that yeah, and, or you meet people that aren't in good working condition. Right. And then right. it's like, well, or, you're not right right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Or, or people that aren't honest with themselves and they're not going to be mm-hmm. honest with you, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, well, maybe that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. I don't know. It's so weird watching this movie now because I was... I've, I've seen it on so many different levels as... Um, I, you know, sort of impressionable person and then as an artist and then as Mm -hmm. a critic. Um, Right. Like seeing it like Mm pre-romantic relationships and Mm -hmm. and during and after. That is very interesting. I I have now I'm sort of curious what my next um, viewing, you know, in years time, what that will sort Uh of reveal. But um, yeah, I mean, it it's one it's always going to be one of my favorites so i don't know if i'm ever gonna but i don't watch it very often i'm not like one of those weirdos who watches it like every year or something right at christmas or whatever yeah i will say this every year there is a um an annual retreat to that hotel where people get dressed up and wow yeah it 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 gets kind of crazy out there and somewhere in time land so one day (laughs) one day but I'm wondering if this is the longest uh, you've ever spoken about this film with someone. Totally. It totally <laughs> is. I mean, maybe with Ben a little bit, but not to this extent. I haven't really pulled it apart. That is a funny thing about these conversations is that, like, mm-hmm. I feel the same way, mm-hmm. you know, about, like, like staying on topic or close to topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's nice to pull out the threads and see where they sort of will take us I like that. um and it's gonna be uh amazing when we get our first guest for our next episode yeah who who is it who's up we, next we are uh, slated uh for a good friend of both of ours christopher blay mm-hmm. um who we both met um here in dfw but now yep. he's in houston yeah i believe yeah and um, so he has, I forget which movie he, he selected. The Andromeda Strain. I re- yeah, he, he texted yeah, the me. An- mm-hmm. And um, I've never seen it. I haven't uh, either. And he's a big sci-fi guy. So, yeah. So, so, and uh, that'll be good because we've had, now we've kind of had like a, you know, sort of an antichrist movie. <laughs> we've had romantic sci-fi. Now we're moving on to sci-fi. So yeah. it'll, it's a good mix. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks, Erin. Thank you for letting me chat about this movie for so long because it's been a dream of mine to tell everybody all the weird things about this movie that I sort of love so much and now can sort of, you know, sort of ponder critically over 
And um, I hope everybody's enjoyed it too. Yeah, yeah, cool.